Wellness Force Radio, episode 29. We've seen that over 75% of the time that Spire produces that kind of notification, it results in a physiologically significant reduction in respiratory rate within 90 seconds. What that means is that, you know, if you think about what's the smallest piece of feedback that could have the biggest impact on your day, it would very much be a deep breath at the right time. Wellness Force Radio. Welcome back for another episode. I am your host and digital health coach, Josh Trent. Thanks for sharing a slice of your busy day here with me on the podcast. If you're here for the very first time, Wellness Force Radio is where I bring you the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. These are the thought leaders. They dedicate their lives to empowering others with the knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. Today's show is sponsored by wellnessforce.com, where at wellnessforce.com, you'll learn how to change old habits with new technology. Explore wellnessforce.com today and see if digital health coaching is right for you. Now, a fast question, are you using an iPhone? Go ahead and tap the screen where the show is playing on the show logo. What'll come up is all the links and everything from today's show with Dr. Nima. You can go ahead and hit the review link in purple and take just 60 seconds to leave an honest review to be published live on iTunes. Your support by leaving that amazing review allows me to keep the lights on for this show and to keep serving this community by bringing on world-class people who are making a difference and changing lives. Today's guest, Dr. Nima Moraveji. I met Dr. Nima earlier this year at the Quantified Self 15 conference. He blew my mind with his device Spire, a breathing technology that tracks more than just how you breathe, but it can show you how to actually be a better human being in every asset of your life. Dr. Nima is the director of Stanford University's Calming Technology Lab and is the founder of Spire, the device we're going to talk about today in the show and also why it's so important to track our breath. So without waiting any further, let's jump into the interview with Dr. Nima Moraveji. Dr. Nima, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Josh. Well, I'm excited to have you on today. We met, I think it was four or five months ago at the Quantified Self Conference in San Fran, and I was enamored with your project on Spire and what you're doing to really help people lead more breath control in their lives, how to transform their bodies, and what the power of breath really is. And today's show is all about breath control. I know this is your specialty, and I'm excited to share your mission and your message with the audience. And I think it's going to be very valuable and new information they haven't heard yet. So really excited to have you on. I am as well. I mean, our our booth over there at at the QS show was there's a lot of people there, but I distinctly remember our conversation and, uh, and how it just kept kind of growing and growing. So it seems like a good fit to, to do a longer one here. And I remember, just so the audience knows, uh, we'll talk about Spire today as well as all the different aspects of behavior change and how that works with the body. But what was really cool is I got to use the device and I'll share that later on today, my effect actually seeing my breath on the screen. So before we we jump into what Spire is, Dr. Nima, I want to talk about your, your passion for breath. I mean, so that people know, I mean, obviously we know what breathing is because we all do it autonomically, but what is your passion? passion for breath work and, and how would you describe breath work? Well, uh, my passion is really around using our breath as a fundamental tool to achieve whatever goals we have, not only in our lives, but in our days. 
So from, you know, picking up the kids to focusing at work to lowering stress to um, kicking ass in a workout, breath can be used in all of these situations. It's very, very powerful. It's really our, our way in to our nervous system, if you, if you understand what I mean. So uh, what happens is when there's so many different things happening in the body with heart rate and skin conduct and sweating, all these things, uh, breathing is just one of them. But breathing is also so unique because you can change your breath immediately. For some reason, for some very interesting reason, the human body has direct control over its breathing, over its respiration cycles and patterns. And that means it's, it's, it's a way in. And that just allows for, for so many interesting applications. Uh, so my passion really started from experiencing that firsthand from a lot of different perspectives, athlete, athletics, to meditation, yoga, uh, to um, just kind of self-regulation in general, and, and just kind of grew from there. And working the breath is an interesting term because breathing occurs whether we want it to or not, unless we're changing it, you said firsthand. But if you were to describe breath work for people that might not have studied it or people that might not have had that have knowledge that you might have, how would you simply describe doing breath work for the average person? Well, I, I would describe breath work as the skill of being aware and regulating our own breathing for our own reasons, for our own goals and purposes. So there's a there's two parts to that. One is being aware and then one is regulation or changing. And those are two separate and distinct skills that kind of combine this this gra- greater skill of, of using the breath to our own advantage. Aware and regulation, your work stems way back. You are the director of Stanford University's Calming Technology Lab. Maybe explain a little bit to the audience about what you're doing at Stanford at the Calming Lab and what that technology lab does. This lab started as a kind of movement on campus where, you know, Stanford is a place where people are working on technology designs all the time for all types of things. So when I started bringing up this conversation, on campus around technologies that help us bring balance to life, help us bring a sense of groundedness, a sense of peace or control, uh, you know, in this kind of very hectic lifestyle. It spoke to a lot of people on campus, from different professors to graduate students to undergraduates. People kind of said, yeah, you know, I love technology. I got nothing against technology. But man, I would really love to have more balance in my life. I want to use the technology for for what I want it to be good for, but I, but I don't want to have those kind of negative side effects of feeling, you know, anxious when checking my phone or feeling like I can never get through all my email or like I have to read all these tweets or, um, you know, and the list goes on and on, you know, sure. technology creates that stress for us. So it became this kind of a uh, little movement campus that, um, uh, cultivated, uh, enough, of a critical mass to form into a research group. What a great place too, as far as test subjects at Stanford, where I'm sure everyone's on their devices all day long. So you probably have some good case studies. <laughs> yeah, we do. And we, and we also try to, to, to go outside of campus quite a bit into the, the Bay Area and work with uh, users from different walks of life as well. 
I love the way that you talked about being aware and then having the regulation and you teach respiratory psychophysiology at Stanford. There's a course that you're known for teaching called Designing Calm. Can you touch on, on what that course is for your students? And I think it'll really push us into the next phase of the interview where we dive into the physiology and the biology behind that. Yeah, well, the course is, is about designing new kinds of technologies and designing calm into existing technologies. And so what that means is if you think about all the new apps and products and wearables and all the stuff that's, that's out there, um, there's a premium on, on products and experiences that create a qualitatively different experience. They create a more balance or more calm. And when I say calm, I don't mean necessarily relaxation. I just mean calm, an absence of anxiety. You can be like a quarterback in the pocket uh, to, in order to do a, you know, throw the right pass. It's gotta, they've got to be calm. You know, if they're anxious and worried, then they may make the wrong play. So it's not about always being relaxed. It's just about being focused, being present, uh, not feeling anxious. And so how can we create technologies that help users cultivate that feeling. So in the class, we actually bring students through uh, the the physiology and psychology of stress, anxiety, worry, um, how to avoid those things, what causes those things for users, and then how can they redesign technologies uh, in light of this. So if you imagine an email client that was designed from the ground up to avoid the stress or minimize the stress that they often create, that would be a, a different kind of email client. And that's the kind of thing that we, we explore in the class and that we prototype and test with users um, every year. And the physiology of stress and how that relates to breathing, is that something that you guys touch on during the class? I'd love to learn about the direct relationship between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system as it relates to breathing. There is very much this physiological component to stress, but uh, in the class, we don't always focus on that. However, um, at some point in the class, we begin to discuss the, the physiology of stress, the physiology of calm. Uh, is what we call the psychophysiology, which is the combination of psychology and physiology. And breath is really the fundamental tool uh, for that science just because it it, it sits at this border of conscious and unconscious control. So uh, in the nervous system, there's these two major branches, the sympathetic and parasympathetic. And the the easiest way to understand and remember these things is that sympathetic aligns with this fight or flight response. You know, when you when you have to do something, you have to run, uh, you have to act. Uh, you're activated. You're aroused. You're you know you're you're just kind of ready to do something. Uh, whereas parasympathetic aligns with uh, the rest and digest system. So you know when you're sleeping, when you're at rest, when you're uh, giving yourself a break, and your body can you know digest food or prepare for sex or to uh, you know, think in a different way. Uh, you know, sympathetic is not so much about complex problem solving as much as it is about uh, reacting and moving physically, moving, running, or fighting. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, so those are the and and this is again, this is like rule of thumb for understanding these this system. And uh, there's a lot of changes that happen in the nervous system ac- across these two sides. Uh, for example, as regards to the breath, as it relates to the breath, you know, when you're in sympathetic activation, breathing rate increases, right? Your, 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 your heart rate increases, you start sweating. There's a whole bunch of things that happen. Cortisol is dumped into the bloodstream. Uh, 
uh, adrenaline. And then, and then uh, in parasympathetic, it's usually the converse. I mean, so breathing slows down, heart rate slows down, a number of different things happen. So uh, that, that is, we definitely teach that in the class and we, we use that, we experience that, we experiment with that on ourselves a bit just to experience these different uh, states. What does that look like? Do you guys have sessions where you hold your breath or you put people in these fight or flight situations and monitor different biomarkers? Yeah, well, there's two there's two major things that we do in the class. One is we we do different kinds of meditations and, and breath slowing, but also you can actually simulate the fight or flight response by by manipulating the breathing and actually you know breathing faster on purpose uh, in, in in certain ways. And then actually observing how that feels to you. You know, it increases your heart rate. And you can actually simulate this kind of anxious state of mind uh, we do with the kind of guided audio tapes in the class. But it's pretty amazing that you can kind of fake it and it and actually affects you. What have been your findings when you've done studies or, or different time period measurements of people that have irregular breathing patterns? Maybe they have kyphosis and they have some kind of upper cross syndrome going on, which leads to too much carbon dioxide, not enough processing. What are some of your findings there for people that maybe have this feeling like they need breathing work and they need more awareness of their breath? What are the negative aspects that you've seen from improper breathing? It's super, super common that people come to us and say, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm a real shallow breather. I feel like I'm a real sh- a chest breather. I feel like I, you know, I, I get out of breath from time to time or I'll, I'll stop and realize, wow, I'm not even breathing. I'm just holding my breath so much just while looking at an email or, or type, typing a text <laughs> I'm message. raising my hand. I think that's me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we all do that. And it's, it's not useful to punish ourselves for that. But um, just as these experiences train us and train our muscle memory and our cognitive memory around, um, you know, react, responding with, with, with tension, we can retrain that muscle memory to, to respond with, with calm, with a deep breath, with an opening up of the abdominal muscles, allowing the breath to go lower uh, in the abdominal cavity and keeping it from... Uh, unnecessary stress. You know, we say aspire and, and in the lab, you know, stress, is, it's not about eliminating stress. It's, it's really about harnessing stress and uh, understanding and experiencing a calm state of mind. Just as we, as we do stress, we have to understand calm and, and um, use stress to our advantage because it, it certainly does have its, its advantages. It's just when it's chronic, when it's so frequent and when it's, it's, um, unconscious, repeatedly unconscious, that that's when you become a victim of it as opposed to being able to harness it. And was Spire, this, the device that we'll touch on, was that developed at the lab or was that outside of the lab at Stanford? Well, it started off as a research project where uh, we started to ask the question, you know, what, what happens if you use, use technology, use sensors, use whatever means necessary to give people feedback about what's happening, give people feedback in a way that they can use. And, you know, it's one thing, you know, bio, the field of biofeedback had been around for a long time, but, but what's so different about what we're doing is that, you know, I, I think that what, what the problem with biofeedback is that traditionally it's required you to you know, stop what you're doing, put on some sensors, go do this very uh, attention-demanding exercise of looking at the screen and trying to change something to result in some other 
uh, effect on screen. It, it takes all your attention. It makes you stop what you're doing. And, and, and so, you know, you'd only do it in extreme circumstances. But if we can, but if we can change the feedback so it's so easy to act upon that you don't have to stop what you're doing, then that could be a real game changer. And so that was the, the hypothesis. And in fact, we found that you know, giving people feedback around their breathing does not distract them from what they're doing. And they can use it to, in fact, regulate their breathing, again, without distraction. We actually did cognitive testing on people at computers with giving them this peripheral feedback, and we found, oh my God, it, it, it actually doesn't distract you, and you're able to regulate your breathing better without stopping what you're doing. And that, that just became so exciting that we decided to um, start working on it outside of Stanford, and um, you know, one thing led to another, and we started working on different sensors and I'm happy to, to tell that story as well. I almost feel like it's this little magic stone that I had attached to my waistline. And I literally in real time for the audience, you can see your breath on the screen. But what's exciting, and we're no strangers to Quantified Self on the show, we always bring on guests for behavior change or wellness technology, the power of self-quantification and of tracking, you know, what you can measure, you can effectively manage. And the breath is no different. In the market right now, this is the only device that I see that has really created a fun way and a fun user experience. So I'm sitting there at the conference. I'm talking to Dr. Nima. He's taking me through a little bit of a guided walk verbally, and I'm watching my breath and my heart rate kind of change on the screen. And I thought, what if I had little notifications throughout my week that told me, hey, Josh, take three deep breaths right now because we've noticed that you haven't been. Can, can you talk about what Spire is and, and why you created it? Yeah, it's it's very much this idea of doing for pe- for the mind, what's already been done for physical activity. So if you look at pedometers and what Fitbit has demonstrated so well, is they, they took this concept of physical activity and they boiled it down to its essence, simplified it so it's super actionable. And kind of said, they boil it down to step actually, uh, and and that just made it really easy to kind of say, okay, I, I don't necessarily need to go to the gym, but I can walk to you know. Where the parking lot or wherever I'm going and take these extra steps. So we, we kind of were inspired by that, um, but very much focused on the mind aspect of health. And we boiled that down to its essence, to its essence, which turns out to be a breath because the breath is reflecting the mind so much and it can be, and is so actionable. So what it does is it's, is it's a, we actually shaped it like a stone. It looks like a stone. It's, it's very much intentional. And you clip it to your pants, or you can also clip it to a bra for women. It doesn't even have to touch your skin. What it's doing is looking and sensing, at, sensing the expansion of your abdominal cavity, your thoracic cavity, as you inhale and exhale. And it's looking at that wave and sending it to the phone and um, doing really interesting things. Like you can set up your spire to say, hey, if I haven't had a deep breath for 30 minutes – you know, I want you to buzz slightly and it'll just kind of vibrate slightly and show you on your phone and say, hey, you know, you haven't had a deep breath or um, you seem tense for the past 25 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can also give positive feedback like, hey, that was a really uh, long session of, of, of calm that you just had, like real calm, great job. Like that was a calm lunch. That wasn't just a lunch. It was actually a relaxing lunch. Uh, and we can also sense uh, what's called focus in the app or concentration, uh, which which is a distinctive uh, breathing signature. But we sense that deep sense of deep focus that you get when you really get in the zone in something at work. Your breathing changes, and we we can measure that. 
uh, we show you on the app as well. So, you know, you get that kind of positive feedback. Do you feel like that can direct people towards being in more of a flow state? I mean, have you done any studies or, or what's the correlation between being in that brainwave, that flow state and using breath as a quantifying measure? Yeah, well, there's, that's all based on, on laboratory studies of what happens to your uh, body and your brain and your physiology when you're focused on something, but you don't feel aggravated about it. You don't feel anxious about it, yet you're aroused and you're very focused. And it re- results in a different physiological pattern uh, and that's indicated in the breathing. So there's less variability in the breathing pattern and, and we're able to, to pick that up. Um, so it's, it is very exciting, but the, but the real uh, kind of bread and butter of the experience so far has been around uh, giving people feedback in during the day, during their week, during when life is actually happening. That's very subtle feedback. Like, hey, you haven't had a deep breath in a while. And having what we've seen, we've analyzed our own data, we've seen that over 75% of the time that Spire produces that kind of notification, it results in a physiologically significant reduction in respiratory rate within 90 seconds. What that means is that, you know, if you think about what's the smallest piece of feedback that could have the biggest impact on your day, it would very much be a deep breath at the right time. I mean, that, that really can change how you respond to an email, how you go into a meeting, how you talk to your spouse, you know, whether you snap at your child, like all this stuff. The right, the deep, a deep breath at the right time uh, is is so simple to do, and yet so powerful. And we're seeing we're having that exact impact on people, and so it's it's super exciting. And what comes up for me when I'm listening to you is I would like to immediately start using Spire and cross-reference it to those times where I want to be more emotionally present. Because I think something that I'll just touch on I've struggled with is the ability to manage my emotions to the most optimal degree in stressful situations. And I'm curious in your own life, have you used the device in your own life and noticed a behavior change of your own or with maybe some people that you've worked with? Oh, there's no question. I mean, you know, just at work on its own, when I'm when I'm doing email or when I'm working on something, and that notification comes up every single time, and that's that's a big statement, but I would venture to say every single time it's produced like, okay, yes, I could be doing this better. Okay, yes, I could be doing this in a less emotionally reactive place. Oh yes, I mean I could be doing this in this slightly better way, and and that really helps us align with our true intentions and our values. Uh, of course, it, it helps us reduce stress, and that's great, and that's really important. But the positive side, the exciting, aspirational side to that is that it helps us be our best, our best at work and and uh, at home. And so I, I, I've seen this. You know, there's there's the notification itself, which is of course very very powerful and very useful. And then there's the training that 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 notification imbues on you. You know, because then what happens is you just you know, just wearing Spire makes you feel that awareness of your breath and that awareness of, of what's happening. This is a great point. I want to touch on this. And it's something that I discussed with Ariel from Muse, the CEO of Muse, where just having the presence of the device on your body already is a cue psychologically to put you into the state you're working towards. Do you feel like that's what's happening with Fitbit and that's what's happening with Jawbone and any kind of device that we're physically you know, wearing or we're using on our body? Is it already starting to create that positive change just by us wearing it or are there deviations from that? Well, it's certainly helping us 
us to motivate ourselves. If you look at why people buy these devices, a big reason is that they, they recognize and acknowledge that motivation is what weans. Uh, and so um, if the device can help provide that motivation or remind them of their resolve to walk more or to stress less or to be more focused, then it's providing value just in that way. Of course, the, the feedback is what's really valuable, but, but, but definitely when it comes to wearing it and, having, and reminding yourself of your motivation for it, that's, it's very powerful. And I think what's unique about calming is that, like you had touched on earlier, calming doesn't mean that you're completely still and you're breathing perfectly and you have your legs crossed and you're sitting in a Zen forest. <laughs> calming could also be a state of focused attention. And I don't know anyone in my circle or outside of my circle that couldn't use more focused attention. My question is, when we talk about the healing aspects, though, beyond just that emotional presence, what are some of the ways you feel that Spire can lead towards healing through breath for people? So is there ways that Spire can really move the needle for people's behavior change towards healthier habits outside of just breathing? Absolutely. I mean, so just there's a couple examples um, that come to mind. One is that device-guided slow breathing has been shown to uh, be an effective means of lowering blood pressure uh, because when you get into a calm state, you, you, you do lower your blood pressure. It's also been shown to increase heart rate variability. Uh, the simplest way to increase heart rate variability is to to slow down your breathing, ideally around six breaths per minute, uh, and give your heart time to, to 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 change its its rate according to the inhale and exhale. So it's it's a very direct impact on that. And also you have you have things like mindful eating. You know, um, if you're able to measure your breathing and your state of mind while you're having a meal. Uh, this can this can help you be more mindful about not just what you eat but how you eat, which can then change you know how much you eat if you're actually tasting your food and and so on. And then you have so many different applications where a general sense of being present to your your state of mind and your state of body can help you make decisions in a different way. These are these are things that are harder to measure, but we've we've been hearing from our users. Uh, for example, just the things like, wow, I really need to take a break and go walk around a building. Uh, the, 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 the app itself does let you know that, but just being more present about your, your own breathing is the actual tool, the fundamental tool for mindfulness. This is why uh, so many yogis and, and um, spiritual teachers and so on teach breath awareness is because it, it's, a, it's the ideal tool to bring the mind from uh, mind-wandering anxiety or regret about you know, what I should have done or what I should do into, hey, I'm in the present moment. I'm here. Ignore all that stuff. What do I need to do now? What do I want to do now? What's, what's going to serve me right now? Uh, and, and that day after day, building that muscle um, is, is just a very um, impactful thing for so many different behaviors uh, in health and productivity. Such a powerful statement. We just had uh, yesterday, I recorded an episode with Juliana Reyes. She's a mindfulness coach and trainer. She touched on exactly what you just mentioned around it being an exercise or the mind being a muscle. We've talked on the show before about the myelin sheaths and new synapses being created through new processes in the brain. Do you feel like that Spire has this potential to actually help rewire the brain towards being in a more cultivated state of breath? Absolutely. I, I know that we're not yet as a, at a place to be measuring that. Uh, 
uh, in order to do a, you know a study on it. However, we've already been doing studies. I can't actually report on results yet because they're not they're not published yet. It must be uh, exciting. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, <laughs> a month of using Spire uh, has shown. Now we, we see quantitative data showing the changes not just in stress but in work performance, in subjective work performance and mindfulness. It's super exciting. But, you know, if you, if you th- think about it this way, okay, so, you know, we're all people that are trying to improve our lives. We are open to whatever tools are available to us. And, and you know what? There's not going to be one magic bullet. Uh, life changes, our, you know, tastes change, our needs change. And so that's what's so great about all the different tools that are available to us. But at the end of the day, what we're really after in terms of a tool, a tool that's so powerful that it can help us change our fundamental rhythm of how we go about these behaviors and taking taking on different behaviors, the way we feel, the way we think, that rhythm is what we're really, if we change that, if we tip the needle on that just a little bit, you have a domino effect of different uh, behaviors that it can change. And that's that's why... Um, in our research at Stanford, we ended up calling the breath the root behavior. Actually, I went so far as to call it the root behavior because it is, if you think about it, if you take a behavior as something that you can consciously change, not just something that you're uh, just doing unconsciously, like your sweat level or something, but the fact that you can consciously change it and yet it has such a core uh, impact on our physiology and, and our state of mind it, it really is the one, the one behavior that if we change that and we're working on all the other changes like, like eating better and exercising and so on, which are all very important. But if we change that just a little bit, we get a little bit of help on that. Uh, we can see that the, 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 the impact is really boundless you know, for, for the different areas of application in our lives. Uh, so that's, that's what's so exciting about what we're doing. And, and we're, we're seeing those now in, in, in our users that uh, use the product and are reporting to us, you know, things like, you know, not just, oh, I have less migraines now, which is super exciting, but, um, you know, I'm able to do, I'm able to do things now that I wasn't able to do at work, like speak confidently in front of my teammates uh, because mm-hmm. I, because I calm down and I know, and I have the, that confidence that's built from, oh, I'm tense. Okay. I know how to reduce that. Boom. I reduce that. In, in a couple minutes or, or, or even with a breath, that builds an inner sense of confidence that then can spill out into our life in general. So there's just, there's just a lot of potential. We're just at the beginning. The product's been out now since the beginning of the year, and we're, we're just getting started. It's, it's really exciting what we, have, what we have up our sleeves. And I feel like really what Spire's pointing towards is the ways we can have sustainable behavior change. Cause a lot of behaviors can be changed. And then there's the default where someone can go right back. I'm curious when we look at the customer or even just the user, like a busy mom, what really works for busy moms when we look at behavior change, can Spire be implemented in that? And what are some of the ways that you've seen behavior change? I know it's a huge topic, so it's kind of a loaded question. Hey, Nima, how do we change all of our behaviors? <laughs> I'm just curious about the, you know, behavior change in the beginning for a busy mom with three kids. She has just a little bit of gaps during the day for cultivating these healthy habits. What has been your experience when reaching out to these and making an impact for these type of people, these busy moms? I find that the first stage is uh, 
just to take a deep breath. No matter what's going on, that little gap, or even if there isn't any gap, but you're at the wheel, kids are in the back, you can say, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. And, and not just randomly and vaguely, I'm going to take a deep breath, but rather I'm going to take a deep breath because I know I'm going to get feedback on that. I know that I might be able to get into a calm streak during this traffic. Uh, so taking that deep breath is, is really like the first line of defense. But then what happens is um, the, the focus on a particular behavior, which like you mentioned, can end up changing. You might get into um, taking walks around your house for a month or something like that. And then that might change. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that it changes. Of course, you, you want to have a you know, sense of consistency, but, uh, but things change. Uh, and, and that deep breath can go with you to whatever, whatever is changing. You know, your, your context changes, especially with three kids. I mean, you got to go here, you got to go there. You can take that deep breath with you and apply it to listening better to your kid, to not being stressed in traffic, to, uh, focusing when you need to, uh, you know, you're watching a soccer game and, you know, you really want to stay focused. I mean, it, it really doesn't, doesn't matter in terms of what the behavior is. Just know that you, the way you're bringing yourself to that behavior can, um, can really, uh, you know, have a difference. I think about someone who is really busy and it could be a mom or a dad or just any busy working person. And sometimes from clients that I've worked with before, there's just it not being a priority, you know, mm. behavior change, not being a priority, or they don't have the resources or the tools or the time or what it might be. Do you feel like with quantified self, just as a movement that can be a powerful tool, what mindset does someone have to be in to even accept self quantification as a possibility? Yeah, that's a, that's a really Cool and good question. I have a daughter. You know, she's two. I can, uh, you know, and we run this company in the lab. It is life is busy, um, and I think that the, the notion of behavior change can be intimidating to people, even when you focus on you know, baby steps and just tiny behaviors. Um, but I, I do think that there is a mindset that is important to cultivate that quantified self or let's just say feedback, you know, because, you know, I think the bigger name of the game is, is feedback there, uh, not necessarily quantifying things. Uh, but when you have a mindset of, let's call it resilience, I think that, well, one word that comes for me is, is empowered, feeling empowered, you know, feedback, it makes you feel powerful because the things that were once intangible and kind of floating around in your head are now real things. And when you change them, you feel empowered and you build confidence and agency. And when you have that, um, that's, that's a very powerful mindset because like, you, like we all know, life happens and you can't control that. But when you have resiliency, when you have confidence and that kind of inner strength, uh, you, you can enjoy the change rather than resist it or feel like you, you need to be rigid. Uh, and live a certain way in, in, in the light of what's happening around you. So I think feedback in, in a way that's easily changeable is a very, very powerful thing. That's why you know, pedometers and, and trackers and Fitbits have, have taken off. And that's why, uh, you know, f that's why we focused on breath the way we have. And our users are, have been so excited about what we're doing is because it's so easy to take a deep breath. It's so easy to, to, to know what that means and to change it. 
And some of the things that I, that I work on is being sedentary versus active and how much time correlates to that and tracking calories and steps and workouts. But then when I look at the breath aspect of it, I really haven't had a way as a coach to quantify that and to give my clients some real-time feedback. And I think what's really exciting about Spire is the ability to give, as you had said, that feedback. And if we can be, as human beings, open to feedback in every aspect of our lives, I don't see how we could get anything but better. What does the future look like for Spire in 2016 and 2017? One of the biggest requests, the feature requests that we got from our users was to add this feature of you know, the deep breath notification. Like, I haven't had a deep breath in so long. So we added that. And then this other feature they requested was, I want to track what I was doing when I got that stress notification or when I got that focus notification. I want to be able to, to mark it down, which, like you know, I mean, it is really powerful. Uh, when, when, you, when you mark that down, when it happens that, hey, you just had 30 minutes of focus. You know, what were you doing? And you can write that down and then you can reflect on it later, the mind will skew things. When, when, you, when you track it and you look back, that's objective data. It's a whole different ballgame. It's, it's exciting. I mean, we were seeing, we were just looking at some of the data ourselves in, in aggregate, and it was just like, wow, like people are really using this in a way that we didn't expect. We originally created that feature to help us improve our, our feedback, but now we realize it's really a feature for people to be able to track it for themselves. And so we're we're, we're working on uh, exposing that better. Um, uh, as far as studies, I mean, that's that's a big area for us. We've had you know, labs, so many labs around the country using Spire for different kinds of studies. Or results are starting now to come out. These things obviously take time. Um, it's it's it spans different areas, right? So from from stress and mindfulness uh, to asthma and uh, blood pressure and ADHD. Uh, COPD, like different things, you know, respiratory related um, uh, disorders. Spire is not a medical device and it shouldn't be used as that, but um, people want to start looking at that data to see what's, what's there. Uh, and of course, these more clinical applications, you know, anxiety, depression, uh, uh, they're being, Spires are being used there. And for, uh, you know, for, for self-regulation at work, in the workplace, we just Complete, we're just now completing a, a large deployment of Spires in, in a local high-tech company that, with Stanford that uh, we think is the largest study that's ever been done like this where you know, you're deploying Spires into a corporate setting, co- deploying wearables into a corporate setting for, for stress reduction and kind of seeing what happens. So it's very exciting and we're, we'll be starting to see the results of that in the coming months. Well, I'll make sure to link all your information in the show notes. Uh, where can people go to learn more about Spire and your work? Well, our website is spire.io. Uh, that's I-O for breathe in, breathe out, I-O. So spire.io. Uh, and I, you know, you're able to go there. The blog is a great place to learn about the science behind it, to learn about what's happening, to learn about how you can apply it into you know, running um, Spire tracks running and all that, but you know, just exercise and workouts as well as work, the workplace. So the blog is a great resource, and also there is a discount code for the Wellness Force audience that you guys are able to use. It's it's Spire.io/r lowercase r slash Wellness Force. There you'll you'll be able to get a good discount on on the device. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your generosity there. I will definitely link that for everyone to go and get some savings, learn how to breathe better, impact your health in a really unique way that I think is fundamentally one of the building blocks of life, right? Our breath. And there's so many people that are in the yoga community and in the mindfulness community that listen to the show. So thank you so much for that offering. And I just want to take one second again to honor the work you're doing and just thank you for the impact you're creating outside of the quantified self community, but in the health and wellness community as well. So thank you, Dr. Nima. Thank you for saying that and, and acknowledging what we're doing. Uh, you know, and I wanted to say the same to you and, and not just you, but everyone that's part of this community that is touching um, the lives of other people in their worlds. I mean, we're, we're really all in this together just by how we speak about things, how we connect the left and right brain, our hearts and minds, and uh, make this make health a, a big story that touches each of us. I think it's uh, it's really our duty. So so thank you so much, Josh, for for what you're doing. My pleasure. And my last question before we let you go is, and I, I ask this to every guest, and I'm really really excited to hear your answer. I'll take a deep breath before I ask you. What is wellness to you? Oh man, you know it's funny that you ask that because I. Um, I ask myself often the question, you know, what is health and, and, and what is wellness is, is similar. You know, I would say that wellness is a mindset of living in alignment and in balance with listening to the cues in our, in our own bodies and in our environments that direct us towards living in, in harmony with our own bodies, our own minds and our environments. You know, you, you can be very well uh, and still have, for example, a, a a, a, a phys physical disease um, uh, because of how you're living. And, and I want to acknowledge that because um, some of us, you know, we have things that we can't change about our, our, our physiologies uh, and everybody has different kinds of deficiencies, you could call them, well, let's just call them uh, characteristics, uh, but it's how we live with them, how we respond to them and how we use them that really makes a difference. So, but great question. <laughs> Dr. Nima Morveggi, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Josh. Feeling inspired and motivated from today's show with Dr. Nima. Remember to go check out the show notes and links today for your Wellness Force Radio discount at wellnessforce.com slash spire. It's a huge discount, you guys. I'll wait till you get to the checkout to actually get surprised, but it is a good one. wellnessforce.com slash spire for a discount on your device to track breathing. One of my favorite quotes today was, the inhale doesn't have to be the beginning of the breath. It's the exhale that gets us in touch with our calmness. And I invite everybody that heard the show today here with me on Wellness Force Radio, spend more time exhaling. There's a technique called box breathing that I'm going to link in the show notes as well. I actually learned it from Mark Devine when I volunteered for the Seal Fit event last year. I'll link that in our show notes as well as that huge discount for your Spire from Wellness Force Radio. What a great gift from Dr. Nima to the audience. Just a tremendous, generous man with a lot of heart and definitely doing great things for the wellness industry. Now you get to go have an amazing day with inspiration and tools from Dr. Nima as well as all the other guests we've had on the show. And until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.